Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, just uh, just this afternoon, we had to inform Brett Steins that he is being placed on administrative leave uh, <laughs> while we investigate his claims uh, against a certain host who is back, baby, just like Mike Rayfell. I am back, and it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan, basketball fan. You name it. We love it. Let's go. I love that you're holding Brett Stein's feet to the fire, and the only the only improvement I think you could make is that just be more vague. You know, there's allegations against Brett Stein. Not really sure what those allegations are exactly, but there's allegations. They need to be investigated. And currently, Mr. Stein is on administrative leave from Cincy Slangen. Even though he's not formally affiliated with Cincy Slangen, sir, these allegations need to be put to rest before you're back on the podcast. But one thing we will do, we will make our investigation swift, right? Lasting merely minutes, if you would, um, hours maybe at the longest. You know, we're not going to drag this out over weeks. We're going to be, we're going to be like, just like John Cunningham, nice, quick, thorough, straight to the point. Who is the Wes Miller to Brett Stein's John Brandon? Because <laughs> that's the only way this, this story would have a happy ending. Hummer, let's move on and talk about, um, let's talk about, let's lead off with some really good news. And the good news from this week, this past weekend in particular, was that four Cincinnati Bearcats football players were drafted, were selected in the NFL draft james hudson fourth round pick pick number 110 overall he went to the cleveland browns Derek forrest round five pick number 163 overall he went to the washington football team james wiggins to arizona round seven pick 243 overall and jared that's right motherfucker dokes to miami dolphins round seven Pick 244 overall. How are you feeling about seeing four Cincinnati Bearcats selected in the NFL draft? I mean, what's not the like about it? I mean, it's 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 tremendous. It's it's good. We all know why it's good. You can't just say there's no way to say this is a bad thing having Cincinnati Bearcats drafted. Did we also mention that we had four free agent signings? I kind of I kind of dozed off there for a second trying to. We didn't. No. We, yeah, we I hadn't mentioned them yet, but you know, right after the draft, four additional players were signed to uh, agreements with with their teams, undrafted free agents. Darius Harper went to the L.A. Chargers. Bruno Labelle went to the Arizona Cardinals. Elijah Ponder to Tampa Bay. And the best punter in America, James Smith, to the Tennessee Titans. What a steal. <laughs> what, a, what a steal for the kicking Tennessee Titans. Uh, no, I think the, the, I think the key here to point out, as we've talked about off, off air, look at where the players being drafted are going. Um, you know, they weren't going to, you know, not to, not to crap on the home team too much, but, you know, they weren't going to franchise like the Cincinnati Bengals, who – don't value protecting their franchise quarterback uh, and just send him out there to get his knee blown out in his rookie season. You know, Cleveland has their stuff together. James Hudson's going to be phenomenal, doing a phenomenal job in Cleveland. Uh, Derek Forrest getting picked by Washington, Wiggins and Dokes, Arizona, Miami, respectively. 
you know, all franchises that these players are going to have room to grow. But in addition, it keeps showing just that Luke Fickle is recruiting at a high level. He's recruiting guys that are that have NFL talent, and it's going to just keep that story rolling. It's going to make it even easier to get these these classes, these top recruiting classes that we're getting year in and year out. So I'm ecstatic for him. Happy for the players. Uh, you know, you love seeing them have success. You want to see them have success at other levels. Plus, you know, they got some big names to follow up. You know, Jason, uh, Travis, the Kelsey brothers. You know, you got Super Bowl champions that you need to uphold the legacy here. So I don't want to see Cleveland get a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, James Hudson. I don't want to see you have that kind of success. You know, but for everyone else, I'm rooting for Super Bowls for you. I'm rooting for you're rooting for James Hudson to have the kind of career that Joe Thomas had, you know, just an absolute stalwart at the left tackle position, you know, play 10 plus years. You're the absolute best of your profession. You just lose a lot but we're all going to respect you and you're going to make the hall of fame. So James Hudson, good luck to you, buddy. Yeah. What we're looking for is he does well in Cleveland. Cleveland doesn't win the super bowl. And uh, you know, his first big free agent move, he comes to a team like Cincinnati takes us out of this, you know, rut of playoff winless seasons uh, and takes us to the super bowl. And that's where he gets that ring. All right. Teams like Cincinnati is where you want to go to help us get over that hump. Plus it'd be a welcoming home story. So, no, I think it's great. I also think when, you know, not, I guess draft talk is, it's, I didn't, did you? I'm not a big draft guy. I'm not a, I'm I'm not not a draft Nick. I don't, I'm not a guy who, I don't do the mock drafts. I don't, I watched a little bit. I watched the first round, you know, the first half round, and then I would tune in and check in and see what was happening with the Bearcats. You mentioned that it was really good news and and a great reflection on what Luke Fickle is doing from a recruiting standpoint. And I think there's truth to that, especially since he, we see he has you know more momentum every single season that he's with Cincinnati. But if you're a recruit and you're seeing this, if I'm Luke Fickle, the way I'm selling it is, look how we develop players. Because the guys who got drafted this year, these weren't guys that were you know no-brainer, four-star, five-star recruits that you know had the pedigree that said these are going to be NFL draft picks in four years. These are guys that came in, worked their tails off, worked with the coaching staff, bought into the team, bought into the culture, bought into what they were building here at Cincinnati and made their way to the pros. And if you're looking at that and saying, hey, you know, maybe I'm not a no-brainer five-star slam dunk. Maybe I'm not a four-star. But if you're high three-star, you're a guy with the raw ability that just needs to go to, pl- go to a place where you have a coaching staff that can develop you and that can put you in position to make it to the NFL. Luke Fick was proving that. Hummer, there were only 20 teams, 20 college football programs that had more players selected in the NFL draft than Cincinnati this year. How dare you point that out? Because I was literally counting the list to throw that out next. And I was going to say that I'm going to, I'm going to one up you on that. There are 31 teams uh, at all that had four draft picks or more, you know, so that's where Cincinnati is at 31 teams. That's, that is basically an exclusive list we're in it we are we are one of the premier teams look alabama had 10 so they had six more guys drafted than us bring them on all right we're gonna be playing them in the playoffs especially when we get the expanded playoffs coming up here soon but look i think you hit the nail on the head you can come to cincinnati you can have success on the field in college and then you can have success past that in your career we can develop you and frankly 
you're going to get guys uh, like Ford this year coming from Alabama. He's going to be able to come to Cincinnati, get instant playing time, be able to show off his talents where at Alabama, he's still sitting behind the bench, unfortunately. So there's a lot of, I think, I think there's this parody in college football that needs to happen similar to what we saw in college basketball, where it's not the same team winning every single year. And so if we see what, what we're going to get into next with a playoff expansion, I think you're going to get that. You're going to get these players that are not just saying, oh, I only want to go to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, because uh, we're going to end up in the playoff or we're, and we're going to end up in the, in the championship. So they're going to be more willing to come to Cincinnati because of that, because there's a chance of getting into the playoffs. Or they're going to be, you know, not just Cincinnati, and I hate to throw out the other teams in there, but, you know, teams like Pittsburgh, Kentucky, LS, LSU, another bad example. They're always in it. <laughs> You know, but you get the point. North Carolina, you're going to get these outside schools that aren't necessarily known for their football prowess, being in these bigger conferences, being able to get some of these better players because there's going to be more exposure of a chance of getting to the playoffs. A lot of kids who have that national championship aspiration know right now there's basically five or six schools that you go to to have a chance, a real chance at getting into the, the college football playoff because it's rigged and then to get to the, ultimately to the championship game. And then you have to consider that the momentum, the momentum of the Cincinnati Bearcats football program right now is such that it's not stopping with the 2021 class. No, the 2022 class is going to get freaky next year. When you consider that we're starting the season preseason as a top 10 team, there's never been more preseason buzz about a Cincinnati Bearcats football team. And it's, I would say, arguably going to be the most talented team in football in, in team history. And that's going to continue happening because Fickle is building a pipeline of talent and a pipeline of development that's only going to continue to, to feed upon itself and grow and get bigger and get more notable. And so when that 2022 draft class comes along and Des Ritter's in the fold and Jerome Ford's in the fold and Sauce Gardner's in the fold and my Jay Sanders is in the fold, Hummer. It's good times right now. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcats football fan. Well, let's look at it right now. I think the national rank for the 21 classes is 42. That's not too shabby. We're number one, number one uh, recruiting class for the conference. Uh, 2022 is shaping up as that we're currently sitting at number 17 in the country. So is that per 24 seven sports? Is that on 24 seven? I think so. Okay. I didn't want to shout them out, but yes. Um, well, it's called citing your sources. <laughs> I don't need sources. I'm making this up. Uh, All this is fake. It's made I up. I didn't it's want to news. shout them out. That's per the Cincy Slang and Recruiting Services. Made up out of yeah. thin air, 42nd and 17th. Well, and here's the good part about the twenty the twenty two class. There's already a lot of commits in it, so it's not it's not like we're sitting here saying, "Oh, we have three three recruits and we're we're sitting in the top twenty five. We have we have a full class that's starting to take shape. Uh, a lot of talented players. Look, it's only going to get better, especially when we talk about. And I think this is honestly bearing the lead because it's. I don't know if anybody's really been talking about this uh, locally for the for from a playoff perspective. The Powers of college football, the powers that be, and I would say probably mainly the powers that be in the in the Pac-12, uh, and I think maybe the Big 12 are um, are basically saying, you know what, guys, this whole this whole 14 playoff thing, you know, I know Cincinnati doesn't really count, but this this BS, this is some BS because we're getting left out every year. 
you know, we don't want to be treated the way Cincinnati gets treated. We want to be treated like we're power five. Um, so they're discussing, they are legitimately discussing the playoff expansion picture. And my favorite thing about it is, is it sounds like they're leaning towards completely skipping single digits and moving directly to a double digit playoff format, potentially with 12 teams. Skipping, I think skipping the half measure. I love that. They're going to just, we're just going to skip the mess up. Like we're going to skip the stage of going to eight teams. When we realize, Hey, in three years, guys, that wasn't enough. We're just going to skip the screw up and go straight to 12. And I love it. And I love it. And they broke it down really good on the athletic. Uh, Andy Staples broke it down in a phenomenal way to how it, how it makes so much sense because right now, if you're doing a 12 team playoff, the top four spots still matter. Right, it still matters just the way it does today because you get a first round buy. That's huge. Then the next four teams, it still matters because you get a home playoff game. You get to play a home game in Nippert Stadium if you are one of the the five through eight teams. That is huge. And then for the last four in, great. You're just happy to be dancing. You're happy to be invited to the party. And the way they could do that is by giving every single group of five champ gets in giving the highest rank. And I don't even like that. They do this. I, I think if they're going to do it, they should just give um they should make it six. This is me being biased though. I think the AAC does deserve a spot, an automatic spot for, for the playoff from our conference. The winner of our conference should be in, be in as a, as the six, then you should have a, ded- a dedicated spot for the outside of that, the highest ranked uh, group of whatever you want to call them at that point. And then the last four be at large or the last three be at large. I mean, I, I love your perfect world. You know, if we could somehow get a seat at the table and say, yeah, the American Athletic Conference gets an automatic bid. That seems a bit far-fetched. Um, it's hard to see them doing that given how rigged the system already is. Here's the thing. I, I think you made a great point leading up to this conversation. Just by simply expanding the playoff, A, you're going to make it a more entertaining tournament. Everybody likes more teams. Everybody likes more drama. More games, more drama. And, and to be frank, the semifinals in particular has left us all cold. You know, there have not been good games. We've seen consistently awful blowout, you know, Oklahoma and Notre Dame kind of getting that honorary opportunity to have their ass spanked by Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. It, we're long overdue seeing this thing expanded. So for, just from a quality, from a product standpoint, it makes sense. But the, the thing you hit on the head leading into this, this is going to start making it more interesting on the recruiting trail. It is, but I think it's going to make it more, you know, enticing to see, you know, high level players go to some smaller schools like Cincinnati to say, Hey, this team now has a legitimate and viable path to this tournament. And I want to be a part of it. You know, maybe we're jumping the gun. You know, maybe I'm sure Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, the teams that you see with nine and 10 players drafted in the NFL draft, they're going to continue getting talent. But I do think it, it's going to open up minds of recruits and, and up and coming players to say there is a better way. There is a more there's there's a more unique way to be your own man, make your own path and do this a different way than, than has been done historically. Right. I mean, it's, it just opens it up to saying, all right, do you want to, and this is the conversation they already have, you know, they already have this because guys like, like Ford, they transfer, you know, do you want to be the third in line 
you know, if you're maybe if you're maybe if you're the backup at, at Alabama, all right, maybe you stick it out. But once you're that third foot, why even why even go there in the first place at that point? Because, you know, well, wait a minute. Now I can go to a West Virginia. You know, I can go to West Virginia. West Virginia can make the playoffs if, West, you know, West Virginia is good or, you know, I, I don't know. I think it opens up a lot of possibilities. I think it also gets into the point to where, like, I think the interesting scenario they threw out um, that Andy Staples threw out was like, all right the year of West Virginia's like national national championship style run undefeated uh, with Rich Rodriguez. All right. They, they didn't make the championship game. Right. But all of a sudden he's in the playoffs. Is it a different conversation about him taking a going, leaving and going to Michigan? You know, Brian Kelly, I guess I'll use this for us. If we're in an expanded playoff situation, is that different? I don't know if it is because he, you know, for him, he, he definitely wanted to go to Notre Dame. That's his dream job. But now we're looking at a scenario where you have someone like Luke Fickle. We know what Luke Fickle's goal is. His goal is to win a national championship. And yes, right now that goal is to do it with Cincinnati. However, that may not always be the case if it proves that Cincinnati is basically not a legitimate real place that you are capable of winning a national championship, whether the powers that be say, no, you're not allowed to come to the party. Uh, B, we maybe don't have the financial resources that get us to do it in today's system. But when you expand it to these 12 teams, now we have a legit shot of getting in. And not only that, might even be an easier path of getting in because you're not competing against an Ohio State every year, an Alabama every year in your conference. We're legitimately competing against Boise State, BYU, and Houston or Memphis, whoever may be in our conference. We're not talking like these monolith stalwarts of college football, you know, legacy here. We're talking about programs that are easily beatable. Yeah, and um, Nixon, there's going to be a couple games in the non-conference schedule every year that you probably have to get past that are going to be hurdles for those teams. But I agree with you completely. If you're a Cincinnati fan, if you're a Bearcat football fan, and we're talking college football playoff expansion, and they're talking not eight teams, because uh, trust me, if it's eight teams, they're keeping us out period. Like I think last year, I last year made me so cynical and it should make everyone else cynical too, based on how they're going to function. I love to think that if we go undefeated this season, we would make the playoff, you know, make the 14 playoff. Hell no, they are not letting us in the playoff and and you cannot convince me otherwise, but if you're I'm not, bar- I'm not on your thinking, we, if we go undefeated this year, I think we are in like Flynn. They will not let us in book it, book it. Old takes this exposed. Mark, flag this podcast episode, flag this moment, because I'm telling you now, even if the Bearcats go undefeated this season, there is no <laughs> way in hell that the college football playoff committee, the selection committee, is letting us in. I just don't see it. All right. Is this another is this another beer mile, a beer mile bet? I feel like we have beer a mile beer, bet. Beer I mean, mile it's bet. gonna beer mile bet that would require us to go undefeated and make the playoff. If we go undefeated and make the college football playoff, the four team playoff. I will, I'll run a, a beer two mile for you. I will run a beer two mile for you. Eight beers, oh. eight laps and pain. Uh, but what I was getting to, so you're a Bearcat football fan. This goes to 12 teams. And, and one of those spots is reserved for the best, you know, non-power. What are they calling it these days? Power, the non-power conferences team. The, I'm blanking the non, out. The non-royal, the non-royal elite <laughs> football squads. Uh, yeah, for the best non-member 
the best team that doesn't pay dues to the college football cabal. I think they call us like the group of six or group of five. Group of six. So the best group, the best group of five five team, the best group of five team um, will get an opportunity to be in the playoff. And that's we're cackling. I'm cackling as as a Cincinnati Bearcats football fan, thinking, "Oh, you just opened the door for us to retain Luke Fickle indefinitely. You're not going to get him anymore. You don't get to you." you know, force him to be, uh, make you see a stepping stone program because you're going to refuse to let us in the, in the party. Oh, you're going to invite us to the dance. You're going to make it so that he can build something sustainable here at Cincinnati and get an opportunity to compete for a real trophy at the end of the season. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And let's, let's, let's take a look at like, if you're looking at the facts with Luke fickle and staying, like, I'm not, I'm not going out here and I talk a lot of hyperbole, as you guys all know. I'm willing to say that everything is the greatest thing in the world, especially when it pertains to Cincinnati. Um, Luke Fickle, you know, has a little bit, a little bit of Mark Few in it. It seems like because he goes, he look, he went to Michigan State. Like let let's keep that in mind. He did interview for a new job. He did seriously consider leaving the University of Cincinnati to go coach the Michigan State Spartans. He did not take that job. He decided to stay here in Cincinnati. That means there's something about Cincinnati that he really does enjoy more than having to build a program from scratch that is looking like that's it's just going to be in the dumpster for the next the dumpster fire for the next five years in Michigan State. So, like, what he would leave for, in my opinion, is very, 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 in his mind, special. So, in my mind, that job is Ohio State. I feel like that's the job that he would say, okay, I'm sorry, Cincinnati. It's been really nice. I've loved being here, but I got to. Purdue, no way. Indiana, no way. No, it's not. Those, those, those schools, even though they're close to us, not happening. Even though they're Big Ten, not happening. So, this is something where you open this up, all of a sudden, you like the scenario we're talking about, we get into the playoffs, we make it a playoff. Actually, do we call it playoffs at this point? Do we get to change it to the college football playoffs? Do we get to add my S to it? Um, I'm sticking with the college football playoff and and holding my pinky up while I sip my wine. Okay. I'm, I'm still going to add an S to it. I don't care. Uh, but say you make that deep run. You get to the final four of the college football playoff. You know, then you, you get maybe, – maybe we get lucky. Maybe we strike gold. We win a national championship. Yeah. You can do it here. Dream big, baby. We know the money's the money's going to start. The donor money is going to keep flowing, if not more so, with the national championship. That that that'll open up some wallets. And because I said I'm going to say the same thing about Wes. If Wes starts like having a sustained high level success, and let's be real, our expectations are maybe this is going to be a great transition to the basketball here. But maybe it's great. Our expectations basketball are so high that is it is it. Is it reasonable to say we need to maybe be like, all right, our goal every year, like we expect to be in the Sweet 16 every year. Uh, but it, let's say he does that. Let's say Wes comes in and he, he, he gets us to the Sweet 16 for like four or five years in a row and throwing an Elite Eight in there, you know, and then one year gets us to a Final Four. Do the donors come in and say, all right, yeah, you were getting paid 1.25 for this contract. Instead, we're going to give you a raise. You're going to get three million. I don't think that's so far out of the loop because Mick Cronin was already getting mid twos when he left. Yeah, I think uh, success is going to lead to better funding for our programs, be it football, be it basketball. And being able to compete 
and play and get opportunities in the college football playoff is only going to help improve our resources. And honestly, that's when we become, we, we, we will become even more desirable for conference realignment. And there will be conferences that will be coming, knocking on our door, hoping to pull us in. And if the structure is that there is a group of five spot guaranteed to the best team and Luke Fickle has created something here that is, that is the highest level. That is, you know, the pipeline for recruiting is, is filling itself every single year. NFL talent on the roster every single year. He's just reloading year in, year out, retaining staff, getting the best people. At that point, maybe we take a step back and, and, and just say, you know, we might be good here. We might be good. Well, I, I actually want to, I want to pick on something you, you said there, not, not in a bad way, not calling you out on anything. You mentioned the conference realignment. And uh, this is just something I've been wondering because I heard with the – I don't watch soccer off the, off first and foremost or, or football. Um, but we heard the, the news of the failed the, – the super conference that lasted all of – or super league that lasted all of a mere like three days before it is its total and utter collapse – but it brought a, a myriad of discussion regarding a super conference being formed in college football that would feature basically nothing but the blue bloods of anybody who's basically, basically if you've been to the college football playoff, you're probably in this league and no one else. That's it. Um, and the, it was intriguing when I heard it at first, but then I'm thinking, okay, like do we just not let them in our playoff then. Do we just say, all right, your conference championship is basically your league Super Bowl and we don't care? Um, you know, I, I was thinking, because like, that would be ridiculous, right? All right, so you're going to take all these teams, 12 teams, whatever, 16 teams, and you're going to put one champion into into your, into your the playoff to potentially dominate if that's what your goal is. And then the rest of us all fight it out for the scraps. All right, no, I don't want to play with you guys anymore. I'm like, go, go away. I don't, even, I don't need you. College football could be better off without you. But if they did that, I was thinking Ohio State leaves – do they Big Ten just come in and be like, all right, Cincinnati, you're up. You're taking Ohio State's place. <laughs> I just I can't even I can't even wrap my head around the alternative reality of just saying the biggest and most well-funded schools are bouncing. They have the most capital, they have the most fan engagement, and they're just saying, We're gonna go do our own thing. Now that will be so big, so popular, uh, so captivating for folks to watch. But well, as was one of the criticisms with the Super League. Not everybody's going to finish in the top two or the top three. And within those 12 teams, those 16 teams, however many of this made up fantasy college football Super League would be, some of those teams that were prestigious before and that have name, brand, cachet. I think they put Nebraska, someone put Nebraska on Nebraska, that. Nebraska, can you, which is already just, you know, tarnished and ugly and, and worthless in terms of oh, what it's, it's a, actually it's a dumpster. It's a dumpster fire over there. Truly a dumpster fire. Can you imagine them in the Super League? I mean, they're going to be the new uh, the new Rutgers of the uh, of the Big Ten. Rutgers of the Super League, brutal. I mean, just a brutal reality if if that were to happen. Yeah, I think the uh, we kind of got off track there, but the the playoff expansion is is nothing but good news for Cincinnati Bearcats football fans. The I'll system is I would, I the system is so rigged against us that if they really are, if there is consideration being given to going double digits with the number of teams, skipping that eight BS, which I know they would leave us out of and taking it straight to 12 or taking it to 16 
and our conference and or group of five, you know, spot gets guaranteed all day. I'm not going to lie. That's where the conference needs to do a really good job during out these negotiations. I don't, I don't think we should settle. I don't think they should settle for a group of five, a group of five champ. It should be the American athletic conference gets its own spot because look, we already, we're already literally, it's the group, it's us. And then it, we are the last of the groups. If you go and break down the uh, NFL draft by conference, uh, the big 12 had 22 draft picks um, so far. The AAC had 19 after that independent school was 15 and then conference USA with five. There's a big discrepancy between the top six conferences in the rest of them. And I'm not trying to, to say this as a disparaging to these other conferences, but you know, that that's the reality of the situation is there are six conferences in football that are a league better. And you could probably also go then and say that right now, the AAC, the ACC, Big Ten, and SEC are also three conferences that are probably a tier above the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Hummer, the Cincy Slang and Corporate line just got a call, and Aresco is interested in hiring you as the lead on their negotiations with the College Football Playoff Committee. So congratulations to you. This is a big come up. Oh, we're, we're honored. Looks like <laughs> Brett Stein's back in. <laughs> the investigation is off. We have found no wrongdoing by Brett Steins. His name has been cleared. He has been reinstated to active, active duty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's good. That's a good point there for moving on and starting to talk a little bit about the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team, which continues to excite, continues to engage the fan base online, continues to move on very quickly from the prior administration. Don't Um, bury the lead, man. Just get right to it. I know you want to say it so bad. Say what? We're coming in from a, they're coming in from a position of strength right now. (laughs) (laughs) So this last week, we got some official announcements that came from the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team as it pertained to their coaching staff. And a lot of names were swirling around. You heard Brett Stein on our podcast, uh, kind of, you know, lock in Mike Roberts from IU as a guy who was going to be on the staff that has since become official. Um, he previously did work under Wes Miller at UNCG prior to going to Indiana. He also is bringing in Andre Morgan, who was an assistant coach at Middle Tennessee State University. And then most recently, the Cincinnati Bearcats are bringing in Chad Dollar, who most recently was an assistant coach for Tom Crean at the University of Georgia, which is a huge poll when you consider the cachet that Chad Dollar has in Georgia circles on the recruiting circuit. And for anyone who knows anything about basketball and AAU basketball and high school basketball, we've talked in the past about the DMV. We've talked about Seattle. We've talked about Los Angeles. Atlanta is immensely talented and having connections down there and being able to attract talent, basketball talent from that region is a very good thing. Yeah, I was gonna say you're. I feel like you're you're leaving out where his other connections are because I'm just going down the list and you know I just see a lot of a lot of rankings that have like they start with you know point nine nine, you know point nine seven point nine six nine six nine five. Yes, you know, Georgia, was, you Virginia, know, I, if he Alabama. Wasn't the, if he wasn't the lead recruiter on Anthony Edwards, he was very much involved in the process, landing the number one player in the country at the University of Georgia, 
who went on to become the number one pick in the NBA draft after his freshman year. It's a big deal. You know, it Wes Miller. Me... Go ahead. I'm well, I, I'm burying the lead a little bit here because then it, on the administrative side, he had already brought in Chris Lepore, who was on his bench at UNCG. He's going to be in a role similar to the director of basketball operations. There's a rumor, you know, Chad Brendo has alluded to it on Twitter that Demar Johnson may be joining the staff as maybe a recruiting coordinator. We'll see how that plays out. But the biggest, I would, I think it's the biggest deal. I'm happy about it. Maybe it's not the biggest deal, but it is a huge freaking deal. Wes Miller has gotten the prodigal son to return to Cincinnati. Mike Rayfelt, the monster factory is back. Let's see those calves, baby. <laughs> Rayfell excites me. And real quick, Hummer, got some grief for this a few weeks back, maybe a little more than a month back. But, you know, when there was an exodus of not only players, uh, six to be exact, who were in the portal, um, but also another strength coach, when Tyler Stewart decided to not return to Cincinnati, you know, I made a comment saying, you know, it's, it's not a great sign that we've had this many players leave the program and we weren't even including Rapolis or Jay Sarola. Um, there was guys, you know, we weren't leaving, including them in the number, but also the fact that, Hey, we've, we've lost two strength coaches in two years, a little bit of a red flag. And folks were getting on me about, Oh, come on. Ray felt wasn't leaving because of Brandon. He was leaving because of Cunningham. That's why he left. Okay, here we are a year <laughs> later. One year later, Cunningham is still here, folks. John Brandon's gone, and Rayfelt is back in the house. Enough of this, all right? Enough of this. No more, no more false narratives about who was the problem at Cincinnati. We know who the problem was. It's been fixed. John Cunningham fixed it. Thank you, Jesus. We move forward. Now... Time to get back to those before and afters. So, all the all the sophomores, time time to get your photos taken. We're gonna take them now. We're gonna take them senior year, and we're gonna see those calves, baby. Let's all right, see it just calves. it. You're right. It, we are getting to before and after season, but it just sounds weird when you're describing it on the pod. So, probably not gonna edit it out. But I'm just going to put the caveat on there that we do well, no, recognize let's, oh yeah, that let's, Hummer. Let's Lusting over before and after photos. Let's, does let's sound give a bit some weird. Good, let's give some good context here. Mr. Mr. Strength, you see, like he got his name, I guess if you want to say his his fame from posting the before and after photos of guys like Trey Scott, like when they're freshmen and his transition photos. And he's kind of made a name for himself as and this is I know Wes has said this, so but he's made a name for himself as one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in college sports. Or just in general, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches. It, it was devastating um, when he left the first time. Like devastating, absolutely devastating. Everybody knew it. We were like, wow, this is a huge loss. So it's not only a huge get, but at the same time, we had UConn fans like trolling us for losing our strength and conditioning coach. Well, thanks, UConn. Thanks for keeping him busy. All right. Well, we're ready to we're ready to have him back. All right. We we you got to rent him for a year. Hope you enjoyed it. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> it is it is a great week for Cincinnati Bearcat fans when you get to celebrate or I'm sorry, I should rephrase that. You get to drink the tears of Danny Hurley 
and Michigan State in the same week because Michigan State's 80-year streak of having someone drafted in the NFL draft ended. We are drinking all of your tears. All of them. We're we're all smiles. I don't think there's at this point, if you're not on on the West, the West train, I don't I don't know what else to say to you. What we've got a great staff that we put together. Uh, we we got a roster basically built out. Now I'm not gonna go out and say I'm actually expecting us to be dominant on the court next year with the roster that's been put together. Um, we'll get into that here in a second because I'm not I'm actually not done going through the through the coaching staff. Um, you kind of skipped over Chad uh, Chad Dollar a little. Well, we're gonna go place. back to it. Let's talk about the staff because I think there's well, a there's a a nice juxtaposition happening here between what's happened with the staff and how he's built out the coaching staff and the names he's brought in and what we're seeing so far in the recruiting circuit. So let's focus first on the coaching staff, because I think in evaluating Wes Miller, I am prime. What's got me most excited is how he approached building out his staff and who he brought in. And I think when you look at that, it's, it's, it's night and day from what we saw last time we have Chad dollar from Georgia and let's not bury the lead here. He is a dynamo recruiting wise. He has a tremendous track record recruiting and recruiting at a high level. And it's in a region that is rich with basketball talent. Wes Miller is spreading his tentacles across the country because while Chad dollar has the Southeast Georgia area on lock and has, has the ability to maybe bring in some players from a region that we, we don't necessarily take from consistently but he also brought in mike roberts who with his experience at iu is much more dialed in to the midwest region and knowing that wes miller himself is a north carolina guy not necessarily this midwestern i have a bunch of connections here so being self-aware enough to say mike roberts is the perfect type of candidate to bridge that gap so pairing that with chad dollar and then rounding out the staff with a guy like andre morgan who while it doesn't have the same name recognition or the same track record to lean on is certainly someone that there's a lot of excitement with in terms of, you know, his potential to be a contributing member to this Bearcats basketball staff. I mean, you, you said that pretty well. <laughs> I mean, in, in one of the cool things too, that I think you're noticing is a lot of these guys, um, Wes has had some sort of connection with in one way or another, Andre Miller or Andre Morgan was actually, um, on the staff with him at UNC Greensboro for a couple of years. Um, Chad dollar is more along the lines of a recruiting assistant coach journeyman. He has spent time at several universities throughout his coaching career, Western Carolina, Eastern Kentucky, Georgia, Southern Murray state, before getting called up to the big leagues at LSU starting in 2007, Arkansas state, um, necessarily the, the pinnacle of, of success there. But then he went to Wichita state as when Wichita was starting to come into their own and become a, a well-known uh, force within, within the college basketball mid-major ranks. Um, then he spent some season at Georgia tech. And then he went to Auburn for a few years before he landed with, with Atlanta. So he has experience all over the place. He's consistently being, I don't know for a better term here, consistently employed within college basketball. He's good. He's a hired gun. Point. So can, exactly. Let's He's a hired I do want to let's offer an alternative perspective on Chad dollar. Cause I do think 
within reason, yeah, based on what we know, there's only there's only the reasons to be excited about Chad Dollar. However, given his given the guys he's recruited and the the frequency with which he has bounced around, I just want to make sure well, I'm on record a, saying a little hyperbole. Let's let's just, just be, a little speculation. I just wanted to all be a yeah. Let's improper, say reckless speculation. Improper, improper Recklessly speculating. Can can we can we just be above the board on all this? Can we just keep keep the Cincinnati Bearcats name clean when it comes to the dirtiness that is college basketball? Otherwise, you know, can we not make sure we don't have any any Ricky P, any Sean Miller, any of that stuff going on here? We're going to be well, clear of that, right? Let me ask you a question now. Would you have taken? The Ricky P method, if you knew it was going to get you into the ACC, <laughs> I 110% would have been all on board Mick Cronin parading strippers from concepts on the University of Cincinnati's campus if it got us into the ACC. I, we have, this is all reckless speculation. And I, I have, <laughs> I'm just saying, well, the part of when Ricky you're landing P, guys like not, Anthony Edwards, not. I got to ask questions. How'd you do it? How'd you land him? Oh, no, I, I, I basically, I think he's a good recruiting guy and he goes and he's, he's a journeyman. I'm not going to go and speculate too much further on that. Cause um, you know, he seems like he's an outstanding guy. He has, you know, just looking at oddly enough, his only bio is um he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. I think since then I should change that. Um, but his Wikipedia page is basically the Georgia basketball profile of him. Um, but I guess his father was very, 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 very successful high school coach in the state of Georgia. Three state titles as a coach, 650 game, uh, wins. He's very well known. His name is well known within the basketball circuit. So I think that's a tremendous get. Um, I don't think you can be upset with it, with the way he's out rounding out his, uh, his class. And it looks like, you know, we still haven't heard yet, but there may be another addition to it. Um, we hear that last I've heard, though, it's been a while. This news is, I guess, a week old. But that Jamar Johnson was was in talks with with potentially joining the staff. We don't know where that's at, what's going on there. I mean, when, um, if Chad Brendel's saying it on Twitter, it feels like it's he's pretty confident. Pretty confident. Well, look, and that's a, and that's something great. He did say that he was going to attempt to you know kind of bridge the gap between the former players who helped build the program. And and I what better it. way than bringing someone on staff and and frankly giving Jamar Johnson a shot that he's wanted? He moved back to Cincinnati to be on Cronin's staff. Um, kind of got the short end of the stick there with Cronin leaving, basically you know, a year into DeMar's tenure on that staff. Uh, Brandon was not really seemed to be involved with wanting anybody who said anything other than the word yes to him. Um, <laughs> you know, and Wes Miller doesn't seem to be that way. So he's looking at giving guys all, all with broad range of the backgrounds opportunities to be good coaches on his staff. So that's exciting. Bringing Ray felt back. I mean, seriously, best in the business, seriously, monster factory part two can't be more excited. Um, going to be just absolutely incredible to watch a guy like Mike Saunders Jr. get some bulk and build on him and get even a more explosive. Like watching a guy like Mason Madsen who can fill out a frame and being able to, because with his shooting abilities, like I think you're going to see some guys be able to, Jeremiah Davenport, holy cow. Just like a That's picture. the guy. That's Jeremiah the guy. Davenport. Jeremiah Davenport. Frame. Working with frame. Mike Rayfelt is, is, a match made in heaven because if there's someone that could use the Ray felt touch when it comes to adding some, you know, more explosiveness, getting a better first step, becoming, you know, leaner, faster, lighter, 
that's Jeremiah Davenport. And that could be a huge game changer for him to have a tried and true strength coach. And it's, he's more than a strength coach. This isn't a guy who's just having you pump iron and, and rocking up and benching 400. Rayfelt is, is specifically working these guys out in a way that's functional for basketball. It's functional for the sport. And this is just an absolute coup to get him back from UConn. Sorry, Danny Hurley. Actually, you know, not you sorry. know it's good. You know he's a good coach when Jaron Cumberland is all on board with him coming back to Cincinnati. True. You've got you've now won Jaron Cumberland. Welcome back, buddy. And Jaron Cumberland says like five words a year, I feel like on Twitter, and two of them were <laughs> welcome back to Coach Ray Fowler. I love it. So we get excited about the the coaching staff and the big news and the names and and there's a lot of reason to be and I hopefully we captured some of that there during that segment. What's happened so far on the recruiting circuit, I think has left you've got two completely different reactions I think. And again, it falls somewhere in the middle. So far, all of the players that have committed to play for West Miller that weren't previously at Cincinnati, those guys are John Newman the 3rd who was previously playing at Clemson, but had committed to play basketball at UNCG prior to Wes Miller taking this job. Hayden Koval, who was a center who had transferred to UNCG and played a season there. Uh, Jarrett Hensley, who was the first four-star recruit to play and commit uh, to UNCG last season. And AJ McGinnis, another uh, last season, he was a freshman at UNCG. So all of these players so far, have connections and were previously playing, have connections or were playing at UNCG. And there's that's left some people saying, well, these guys want to play for the coach. They want to follow him to his new destination. And he wants to have a familiarity with the players that he is, he is starting to build around here at Cincinnati, especially given how many scholarships we actually had open. There's a counterpoint, though, of are we just becoming UC... Greensboro like what's what's going on here exactly this isn't the profile of player that we thought we were signing up for where do you fall on that Hummer I think we're following up with you're trying to ask it's a very tall order to say Wes Miller I expect you to go out and recruit four-star kids while going out and trying to build up a staff and take a program that's basically in it's a dumpster fire the only thing that, that w- the one thing I can say honestly and say thank you, John Brand, is that we don't have any NCAA sanctions to hold us back. Right. So, but let, let, it is truly a dumpster fire when you have half your, you have four scholarship players left on the roster, you have zero, zero staff. And that's what your first priority, right? Is retain the players you have build a staff and at the same time recruit a, and have a roster because you're also not going to go and recruit four or five-star kids, three-star, four-star, five-star kids. If you don't have a roster to play, if there's no stability built within the program. So that's the first thing that we're doing is creating stability that, Hey, we, we're going to have a roster. Now we're going to be able to play. That's, that's not an issue anymore. Now we can go and actually target and take our time finding individuals who are going to fill the holes and needs that we have coming up in the future. You know, at the same time, Wes is learning who these players are that he has on the roster too. I'm sure he's watched some game film, but you know, he still has to learn what, what, what he's walking into too from a, from a player's perspective and a, a body perspective. 
and we joked about it on the last podcast, he does actually have to get credit for recruiting Mike Saunders Jr. back to the team. He has to get 100%. credit for Mason Manson. And those guys were, were goners. They were not going to be Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, it was not a guarantee. And Wes Miller came in and got them to buy back in. So I, I'd throw them in on who he's got to buy back into Cincinnati. Here's where I fall. Koval and Newman are, are one-year players, most likely. These are guys who are going to come in and play for one season. When it comes to Hensley and when it comes to McGinnis, they were freshmen last season. And in the case of Hensley, four-star. And in the case of McGinnis, a guy who can apparently fill it up, he shot over 50% from three at prep school. My point is, these aren't one-and-done guys. These are guys he intends to, to have as foundational pieces to continue to develop and build and play at UC. They are not supposed to come in and be the answer to every, every problem we have. They are building blocks. He's building out a better, more balanced roster when it comes to distribution of freshmen versus sophomore versus junior versus senior. Now, it's also important to remember the recruiting class is not a finished product. If we would have stopped and evaluated his coaching staff at, you know, he's got Chris Lepore at director of basketball operations, and he got Andre Morgan uh, from a very average at best middle Tennessee state university. That's his staff. (laughs) (laughs) How are you feeling about West Miller's staff at that point? You wouldn't be head over heels, right? You would be questioning and you would be worried, but it wasn't finished. He was also going to hire Mike Roberts and he was going to hire Chad dollar. Oh, and to boot, he's going to bring back Mike Rayfelt. Let Wes Miller finish out the class. And the fact is, there's plenty of guys left in the portal. There are plenty of guys left to be coming into the portal. And with that said, I expect him to take some bigger shots. I expect him to go out and find some size because at this point, this team has absolutely no reliable rebounding or interior presence whatsoever. So go out and find that. And I suspect he will. And when we're going to actually give it a grade, let's give it a grade once it's complete. I'm I'm going to push back on one thing that you said there, and that's like the the, the lack of like rebounding, interior presence. Yes, I'll, I'll give you that. But like rebounding, defense, that is all, in my opinion, stuff that is very coachable. It's very it, it's a culture. It's a cultural thing, because last year the reason why we didn't have good rebounding is because no one rebounded, no one attempted to rebound. It's like they didn't practice rebounding. The team had no cultural identity when it came to that that kind of the gritty, the everyday little things that you need to do to be successful. So I'm not as worried about going out and saying I need to find someone who's going to be a rebounder. I, I, I'm I'll be curious to see what what Wes is able to do with the players that we have and getting him into that habit of crashing the boards after your shot, being able to you know pound the offensive glass, beat people up in that fashion, playing defense in them because actually the team at times last year would play okay defense. It could have been better, but well, I'm not. I'm not as worried about saying you need to go out and find that that piece per se. No, it I does. do want to see him to take. I it do does. Want to- I I fundamentally disagree with you on this. Tari Eason had rebounding rates comparable to Gary Clark as a freshman. He had rebounding rates comparable to great historical rebounders in Cincinnati Bearcats history. Koval well, has a rebounding rate that rivals Chris Vote. If he has the instincts, then that's that's one thing. But it's something that can be taught. 
All right. So given the, as the roster is currently constructed, you're confident in our ability to rebound the ball and be strong inside with, with I'm a not front court ability. I'm with not a confident. front court. That's Hayden Koval, Victor Lockin, maybe Jarrett Hensley, Rob Banks and Jeremiah Davenport. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, we're going to be the best rebounding team in the country but I'm not necessarily ready to say, you know what, this is going to be the worst rebounding team in the country. I think it's time to get, you got to give him the chance to actually get these players built into the culture and identity that he wants his team to play in. <laughs> that's just fantasy land. That's, that's fantasy land. land. Wes okay. Miller is going to sprinkle some fairy dust on these guys and they're magically going to rebound. No, he has to go find some guys who can do this. Come on. I think we can do both either way. When it comes to the recruiting aspect of it, like, I see a lot of people like saying like, Oh, the UCG, the UCG, which you pointed out. I think the biggest thing there is to keep in mind is that we comparing it. Cause you know, Papa hugs, Papa Huggins, <laughs> Huggins didn't come in here and just recruit five-star guys. He wasn't getting looks from top all uh, McDonald's, all Americans overnight. He had success that led to that happening. So he was bringing in Juco players from, we were UC Santa Barbara. We were UC Santa Barbara. That was that should have been our nickname. We were getting all of our JUCO players from Southern California. There's nothing wrong with building some building a base of players, going and taking your big swings, round out the class. I'm I'm almost confident that's why this is all definitely speculation here. But there's a reason why we haven't seen three scholarships completely filled right away. We saw the four, and now there's been a law, a break, if you would, in recruiting while they're actually going out and seeing what do we need on this team. So to Coomer's point, maybe we need some rebounding. <laughs> maybe we Just need some, uh, you know. any Anyone who fancies himself an imposing force down low might be nice. Just some strength, anybody, some bulk, who some girth. <laughs> when they're doing the interview with the player. So I, I mean, we have, you. I have heard, I, I have heard. yourself as a Joel Embiid? Jesus, or do you there's see not your... a fucking Joel Embiid out there. Will you stop comparing college players to one of the most transcendent talents in recent NBA history. This is all I wanted to hear you say. I wanted to hear you say he was a transcendent talent. I win. <laughs> Joel, do you fancy yourself a Joel Embiid? My God. Hey, I have, hey, I have our, heard... boy, our boy Mama do fancied himself a Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I love Mama do. We all love Mama do. But he's I... not a Michael Jordan. No, he's not. Nobody is. All I'll say, Hummer, is I have heard that I th the staff is is monitoring some situations with players who may be entering the portal down the line. So I think that what's out there right now is certainly not the the final list. It's not the final. Um, who who may be entering the portal? Well, I can't give you names like that. I'm just getting it very broadly speaking. You think that you think that the powers that be are going to literally float the names, which, by the way, would be a breach of rules like they can't actually know who's going to enter the portal before they enter the portal. Do you know what I mean? Do you catch my yeah. drift? If a parent let me like here's an example. If a parent of a well-known player who's currently on a, you know, and, and signed to a school and that parent calls Wes Miller or someone on his staff and says, hey, you know, Billy's going to be entering the portal here in a, in a few weeks and just kind of wanted to gauge your interest. They're not supposed to take that call. And so they really can't know who's going to enter the portal. We don't know. We just know it's not done. 
but I do know that Cincinnati's got their eyes on it in a big way. So we'll see what happens. I, what, what you said about West Virginia and Huggins is right. Cincinnati's not going to magically become a school that starts landing five stars. We're probably not going to land a lot of four stars either. We're going to continue to be a school that looks for talented, undervalued players in that two and three star range that we can develop and build around and make very effective three and four year college basketball players. Money ball, baby. It's what West Virginia continues to do to this day. So for any, you know, very notable former Bearcat players who think that they are out there recruiting five-star players regularly. Nope. It's simply not happening. McBride was a three-star from Cincinnati. There is plenty of basketball talent across the country in the Southeast, in the Midwest for us to get and for Wes Miller and his staff to develop and build up and bring Cincinnati back to that place that we think it belongs. And well, we've talked to enough uh, recruiting, recruiting, I don't want to say X, yes, recruiting experts or experts on, on the recruiting process when we're doing our player profiles, you know, and a lot of them have said the same comments about when you hear these rankings that are coming out, you know, yes, there is going to be a consensus that there's some of these guys that are just going to be absolute monsters in college. Like, yes, you're going to have those guys like Zion. You knew he was going to be a baller coming out of high school, going to his first freshman year at Duke. Right. But as you start getting down into the, to the rankings, you start getting to the point where it's like, how accurate are they? Because these guys are trying to profile hundreds of players to the point where it's really almost an impossible task to rank everybody between, you know, oh, one in 500 players that are available nationwide for, you know, a specific position. It's impossible. It's impossible. So, you know, how important is it to be number 102 versus number 148? It's probably not that big of a difference, even though the numbers would suggest it. So that is what the goal is. It's to go and find those guys that are honestly not already being looked at by a Duke, a Kansas, a Kentucky, because those are the guys that are the one and, you know, a lot of times one and dones or doing what Wes Miller did and just being a, a walk-on non-scholarship walk-on. Um, but that is the goal. We, we do have to go and play a little bit of money ball with this. Once you get that pedigree again, once we've had the tournament success, you know, you saw it with Cronin, his recruiting classes were getting, you know, a little better and better every year, but Cronin never with us, at least he just did it with UCLA. He never had that year where he exploded off into the final four. He never had that where we had every single college basketball player or prospect in the country watching us on the biggest stage possible. You get that all of a sudden McDonald, all Americans are looking at you. That's the reality of this game. You get that and it happens. So that's, that's, that's what we want to see. If we want to start landing four and five stars again, we need a trip back to the final four. We need consistent growth and consistent winning. I believe that what we've seen Wes Miller do is at least in the right direction because I'm not carrying the last regime to this when you're not seeing as many of the red flags, you're seeing him get a very diverse staff in terms of backgrounds and what they, what their job talents, is to do. Regions, talents, where they're regions. from experience. And yes, and he's getting players like if we just need to be honest about what next season is going to be, it, it's going to be a rebuilding I season. To. I don't want that to. is the state of the program right now. It's a rebuilding year and that's fine, but let's just be honest about it. So when we're grading this class, he does have guys like McGinnis and Hensley who are young. 
who are talented, who were well-regarded. And so let's see what he can do with them. Let's see what he can turn them into. They're going to be growing and developing and, and getting better with Mike Saunders Jr. and Mason Madsen at the leadership of Micah Adams-Woods, of Jeremiah Davenport. This, this is going to be a fun season, but it's clearly not going to be a dominant team barring some unforeseen coup when it comes to who we get from the portal with these last three spots or so. The big class that's going to really, like where we see Wes Miller taking this thing is what happens with the 2022 class. What happens with the 2023 class? We have some very big names coming up in the city of Cincinnati in particular. Can Wes Miller get us in the game on any of those guys? I think those are the more important classes when it comes to evaluating his ability to recruit and his ability to build. This season is more about what can he kind of put together to make this a, a frisky, fun, ready to kind of upset anybody on any given night in the American or in some of these preseason tournaments we're going to play in. Frankly, let's just play a full 40 minute game against Houston and not, and not see our coach give up, uh, you know, halfway through the second, second half. Let's just see if let's just see if play a full game and not get beat by 40 twice in the exact same freaking way. You know, cheers. To I'm that. not, I know I'm trying not to like set the bar too low here, but next season, the bar is relatively low. Uh, we still, in my opinion, are expected to beat the East Carolinas of the world. We are expected to beat the temples of the world. Of course. I think we should be expected to beat Tulane. Of, of uh, course. Tulsa. Of course. South Florida. Of course. I think we should honestly finish probably right where we did where we did this year. Of course. Hummer, I'd say that's we've rambled non, enough tonight. That's the most non hyperbole prediction I've ever given. I'm here for incredibly grounded and realistic predictions where we don't get too excited and we don't get too low. Hummer, let's leave it there. We've been rambling. I have no, you know, I blacked out during this basketball conversation. Tired. Um, given my giddiness about some of the news, some of the hirings, and also just general fatigue. Is, uh, is look, now a good time to announce the, you know, uh, my the decision, decision twenty one. Yeah, you should. Hummer's got some big life news. Let's hear it. Yeah, we're we're heading to to the Big Apple. We're gonna be hooking up with the uh, down the drive. We're gonna be Mister <laughs> the Mister Mike Schneid. Schneid. I don't even think he's affiliated with Down the Drive anymore. Is he? I think so. Maybe. Uh, Either way, we're heading to New York City. We're moving to the Big Apple, Philadelphia. You've been great. We'll be out of here in thirty days, so we'll be recording from our new studio in Brooklyn, New York. Um, so the Sixers can go, go suck it. Let's go Nets. Oh, Just kidding. <laughs> You're the worst. No, really happy for you. It was big time. Hummer and, and his wife have uh, been planning this for a while and have executed it flawlessly. I must say, I'm excited to visit you up there in New York soon. Let's leave it there, buddy. Cheers to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Cheers.